Trigger warning, today is a very special episode as we talk with a true survivor of human trafficking that inspires people across the globe. I'm your host, George Nagel, and today we get to talk with a legend on how reframing saves lives. Let's get started. Survivor, a word that can invoke fear, sadness, empathy, charity, and inspiration all at the same time. Amanda Blackwood is a survivor of human trafficking, a plague that is sadly alive and well in every community across the globe. Today, we're going to focus on how she applies creativity to inspire others to find ways to take back their life and bring awareness to the horrors of modern-day human debasement. Amanda is the host of the Survivor podcast that is available on all the major platforms, but she is also a prolific writer with over 13 published titles and counting, which of course are going to be linked in the description below. She is also the founder of Growth from Darkness, a mentorship program designed to help individuals take control of their own recovery in order to move away from a victim mindset. That requires the hardest type of creative innovation because it's all about revolutionizing yourself. Amanda, before we get started, I want to personally say thank you, not only for being a guest, which I absolutely appreciate, but for what you do around bringing awareness and inspiration. As a foster and adoptive parent, I sometimes see some of the outcomes of trafficking and abuse, and I wanted to let you personally know that you are appreciated for helping others and making it possible for the world to be just a little bit of a better place every day. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, so I, I want to jump right into it because I've been really looking forward to just just talking with you for the longest time. Can you describe the feeling of when you consciously recognize your victim mindset and then you know what those next steps to move away from that were? Wow, that is such a great question. Uh, for me specifically, and I know it's different for every single person, of course, but for me, the victim mindset was that feeling of, I can't live my life the way I want. I have to go into hiding. I can't be who I want to be. I have to be who these people are forcing me to be. And that victim mentality didn't happen just while I was being victimized and abused, but for years after I got away too. That moment when I decided and it was very much a decision. I decided to make that transition. It was when I hit absolute rock bottom in my life and I saw no way to be able to survive what I was going through without learning how to fight back. And that moment of deciding that it's time to fight back, that's when that shift began to happen. And it wasn't overnight. It didn't happen, you know, over a couple of weeks. It took me several years to be able to completely change that mindset. How important is it to really move away from that victim mindset in a gradual way? Like, is it is that the key? Is the baby steps to get away from it? It was for me. I know it's not for everybody. Uh, it does alternate depending on the kind of trauma you've been through and how your brain has decided to process everything. So it, when we go through trauma, our brains change. It is it is essentially more than mental illness. It is a brain injury. And when you have an injury like a broken bone, it's going to take time to heal. It's going to take time to kind of make that transition. It's going to take time to learn how to walk again if you've broken your leg. 
It's the exact same thing with going from a victim mentality to becoming a survivor and eventually somebody who's going to be a thriver. Mm. You know, I find that fascinating. We talk about with our clients and actually on this podcast quite a bit, the way our brains do things and the neuroplasticity that forms because of the events that affect us. What are some more creative ways or ways that you've been inspired to help people really get to that rock bottom, that almost eureka moment to understand that their brain has been wired to maintain the position that they're in so that they can take that step out and move forward? One of the greatest ways is just through basic education. A lot of people don't understand how our brains function based on a traumatic event. That's why we still have things like trauma competitions or what I call trauma trophies. You tell me what I've been through doesn't compare to what you've been through. So how can mm. I stand in the same space as you and say, I have survived trauma? It doesn't matter what kind of trauma you have been through the basic steps are going to be the same. And it all begins with a grieving process. We have to grieve for the person that we were going to be because trauma changes us fundamentally at the very core of our being. And that person that we were going to be is no longer going to be. That person has changed enough to where we have to grieve for that loss. And if you're going through this grieving process, Who's to say that when any trauma is worse or better than anybody else's, it is not a competition. It is not a destination. And once you start to understand these very basics and you start to understand the grieving process with going through denial, anger, bargaining, uh, depression, and acceptance, when you go through that process, you start to understand yourself a little bit more. Stop focusing on what everybody else has been through. Start focusing on what you've been through and where you are now and what your next steps are. If you start making those comparisons about how much you've been victimized to others' victims and you say, wow, that's really a lot worse than I ever have it, do you think that that limits you and really empowers the abuser? It definitely can. It can also limit other survivors of trauma. Mm. Yeah. If you're talking about this openly with other people and let's say we're in a group of maybe five people and you walk away and I tell somebody oh gosh, you know, I've been through some stuff, but I haven't been through anything near what George has been through. Well, there's other people that are in that circle that are hearing this conversation happening are going to start thinking, well, if you're going to compare your story to his, maybe I shouldn't up at all. Mm. You're not only limiting the voices of other people who need to be heard, but you are giving this incredible amount of power to these abusers who have put people in these situations repeatedly over and over and over again. Now these abusers are in this power of position yet again, even if they're no longer in the victim's life now, because now this, this abuser is, is still a shadow over their life. And this person is still being silenced and still being told, you can't talk about what happened to you. It's not okay for you to do that. We have to stop doing that. We have to stop putting these traumas on a shelf and displaying them as trophies. I would, again, encourage people to visit your podcast, The Survivor, or even go to your website, Detailed Pieces. And again, we'll link all of that to understand a little bit more about your guests who have several different types of traumas and, and the impacts that they're going through. But if you were to give somebody a recommendation on how to 
analyze if they even think they might be a victim, how would you go about saying maybe here's some steps that you can follow to understand or recognize if you have been a victim and if you're in a victim mindset? I'm actually working on a book series on this exact thing. So my workbook series, Growth from Darkness, uh, the first book is all about the stages of trauma. The second book is currently in production. It should be out later on this year. And it's about different trauma reactions, what the long-term consequences are of not fighting back against them, and then how to fight back against them so you can start to retrain your brain. Uh, next year, I'll have two more books in the series. One of them is about building healthy boundaries, and the other one is about how to support a survivor. But just this this basic information that I am compiling and writing into these books, this information is out there. You don't have to wait and, and purchase my book. You don't have to go to the Growth from Darkness website to get what it is that you need. You don't need these tools. One of the best ways to do this is to look up the list of trauma reactions and just kind of go through them. See if there's something that maybe is popping up. It's like, I wonder if that's what I'm doing and research it. Figure out what it is. Figure out what causes it. If you can make these links and these connections yourself, you can start to understand that you've been through something and you're just not aware of it yet. And at that point, you can start digging in and maybe doing a little bit more of the hard work, uh, maybe seeking out a therapist, maybe start journaling, all these different wonderful creative ways to be able to start digging down grabbing that shovel and digging to the root and figuring out what the major issue is and rooting it out. As somebody who works with so many different individuals, is it enough for somebody to say, hey, Amanda, I think you have a lot of trauma and I think you've been victimized to get the wheel moving? Or is it something that has to start a little bit more organically with, within yourself and then that person's more affirming, yeah, I see it too. I would say if you do approach this conversation with somebody, always avoid using the word victimized or victim, if at all possible. Um, it can be not only a triggering word, but it can be one of those words that repulse somebody who is being victimized. Uh, they don't want to think of themselves as being a victim. They don't want to think of themselves as being what's considered weak and these days in our culture, the word victim is calling somebody weak and it's wrong and yeah. as absolutely should not exist, but it does exist. Unfortunately, it mm -hmm. has to be when somebody feels comfortable enough that they have this open communication to where they know they can trust you. If they don't trust you, they're not going to talk to you. No matter how much you try to needle them into it, no matter how much you try to back them in a corner, all you're going to do is upset them more. Do you find yourself sometimes, you know, Maybe when things are a little bit negative or not going well, having moments where you actually regress into a victim mindset? I think everybody who has gone through trauma will occasionally do that. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. It doesn't have to be necessarily a victim mindset either. It can be something as simple as a basic trigger. Mm. Your brain is compartmentalized. When you go through a trauma, you might have a section of that trauma that is classified as the color red. Somebody crossing the street in front of you is wearing a red shirt. They have nothing to do with whatever's happened to you. They weren't there. They don't know about it. They look nothing like the person who abused you. But your brain sees the color red and immediately associates this 
with the trauma. So you have a trauma reaction and this trauma reaction can throw you back into that victim mindset. This might happen for a fraction of a second, or you may end up landing there for 10, 20, 30 minutes or a week or two. Our brains are so complex. It's hard to understand why these things happen. But understanding that this is a trauma reaction can sometimes help us to snap out of that victim mindset just as quickly. And we recognize it as, I am safe. This has nothing to do with what happened to me. This is not my past. I can walk forward right now. Nothing is going to happen to me. And you learn how to reframe your thought process. And eventually, that color red doesn't trigger you as much and throw you back into that victim mentality. So it's all about education and trying to help to retrain our brains to have healthier connections. What is it that you recommend or what do you actually do for yourself when you say, nope, I, I'm, I'm triggered, something's not right? How do you shake yourself out? In the exact moment, sometimes this can be tough. So I use what's known widely as the five senses technique. Take a moment to recognize what are five things you can see. What are four things that you can feel, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste? If you have the availability to find somewhere to sit down and relax, you can use a deep breathing exercise. All of this stuff is really, really helpful. And on the really bad days, absolutely a pint of Ben and Jerry's will fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, they have lactose. Uh, uh, free uh, Ben and Jerry's. They do. Yeah. They do. My husband is allergic to whey, so we are big fans of the non-dairy ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a fantastic technique, and it is a technique that uh, I teach my kids, and I randomly, when everything's calm, will say to them, name five things, and then I run them through that exercise so that when they're actually in a moment, it's a little bit easier because they've practiced it when they're calm. Somebody that actually runs, uh, sounds like two or three different businesses and has a mentorship program in place. You know, do you think the removal of that victim mindset is what turned not only your life around, but also enabled your business success? In a very big way. Absolutely. I know that a lot of people who go through trauma, they doubt themselves. We have this constant need for um, some kind of reassurance that we're going to be okay. When we transition out of that victim mindset and into one of not just a survivor, but somebody who's willing and, and capable and uh, chasing after the ability to thrive, mm -hmm. this is the person who doesn't have the same setbacks. They don't have those same brick walls, those same limits and, and expectations of themselves to fail. Now, we remove all of these obstacles from our lives when we transition away from being a victim. When we do that, that's when we can start really going after our goals and things that have a much more difficult time of holding us back at that point. What were some of the initial steps that you took that others could mimic to actually conquer that fear and that self-doubt? One of the biggest ones was actually writing my autobiography. And when I wrote that, it was not with the intention of writing a book that was going to be sold across the world. It was more writing a journal and trying to take all of whatever was left in me of this garbage, of this crap, and putting it out somewhere else so that I could get a, give it a physical body 
I could set down on a shelf and walk away from. It now exists separate from me. It is no longer all-consuming of my life. Now, all those little tiny things that were that were bothering me for so long, when you learn how to get that out of your system and no longer have that be constantly you know, knocking you upside the head with like a sledgehammer, it's not in your way anymore. That's when you can start moving on to the next steps and the next steps and the next steps. And for me, it really did start with that basic education of wanting to train myself and teach myself about the stages of trauma and about trauma reactions. As I was learning these things, I was putting these practical uh, informational steps into my day-to-day living. And I started learning that I was fighting back against this stuff just because I had learned what it was. This was massive for me. Do you, do you think that a lot of people don't know how to have that self-reflection? I think a lot of people are overwhelmed at the prospect. Mm. I think most people can do it, absolutely, without hesitation, without hail, fail. But if they think that they have to push the entire mountain across the ocean, they're going to fail. They are going to set themselves up for failure. This is not something that you can do all at once. This is not an overnight game that you're playing. This is you have to move the mountain one pebble at a time. This is a long and lengthy process, but it's absolutely worth it. And you have to figure out where to put your first step to get started. I tell people all the time they ask me, how do you write a book? Where do you start? I tell them you can't edit a blank page. It's the same thing with recovering from trauma. Unless you get started, it's not going to happen. You have to be willing to make the efforts to start. And it's hard work, but it's worth it. Just get started. Is there is there somebody that helped you see a, a different path that inspired you, even if they don't know it? There was somebody. Um, I've read the, auto, the, the biography of an actress. And a lot of people would think, oh, it's just Hollywood. It's it's nobody. Mm. Um, her name was Ruby Catherine Stevens. That was her name when she was born. And through a couple of vaudeville plays, she was discovered and renamed Barbara Stanwyck. Her parents died when she was only about 12 years old. And this little girl grew up with a massive amount of trauma and victimization and obstacles. And she overcame all of that. And having read her life story, I started to understand that, hey, if Ruby Catherine Stevens can do it, I can too. But then I read the book on Audrey Hepburn and discovered that she had run notes in the soles of her shoes through the underground in Holland during the Nazi occupation. Then my mind was blown. If these people who can then grow up to be some of the most talented, beautiful, amazing, giving people that we've ever known to exist in the world of fame. And they come from these backgrounds where they can overcome these struggles. Who's to say the rest of us can't? Of course we can. Audrey Hepburn never talked about running notes and how her life could have ended if the Nazis had discovered her. She didn't talk about it because she didn't have to. You think there's power in the experience, the acknowledgement, the, the recovery and then stepping away and letting it rest and let it be? Absolutely. Now, I use the phrase trauma vomiting a lot. 
This is something that we see in a victim mentality quite often, where somebody who has been through trauma feels like their best and only option in life is to do everything they can to shock everyone around them with the most gruesome details that they can possibly share with them. They terrify people. They scare them. They traumatize them with their stories. If we can learn how to reframe our our thought process again and learn how to either tell our story in a healthy way or tell our story only to the appropriate people, we really do learn to set it down and walk away from it and have these beautiful, productive lives outside of trauma. And our life does not have to revolve around our past experiences. It can absolutely revolve around our future hopes and dreams instead. Do you find that looking at the past gives you not maybe positive motivation, but certainly maybe some inspiration and also some creative thought processes to look at the future and find new possibilities? Always, every single day. I've been through so much and I can look back and pinpoint exact moments when my life completely changed or altered or where one decision could have been uh, far more disastrous than what it was. And I I realized the power of being in that moment and having to make these snap decisions and realizing how powerful that can be. I have gotten really creative with some of my most recent decisions on things in my life. And I've really surprised my husband with this too. Now, when we met, it was one month, almost to the day after my autobiography was published. He read my entire book before we ever got engaged. So he knew who I was. He knew my background story. But until we were put under fire, he had no idea what it was like to live with somebody who knew how to react in these situations. And it's been kind of fun watching his reaction to my antics. <laughs> <laughs> because your antics, I'm sure, are done with a, a grace and a calmness where he might be feeling a little chaotic and just watching you just kind of sail through it with a smile on your face. Is that is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. I'm circling <laughs> the wagons and he's in a panic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hopefully that uh, that panic and chaos leaves him leaves him soon. I would like you to tell our viewers and our listeners the best ways to reach out to you. The best ways to reach out to me is probably either through uh, one of my two websites. There's contact forms on them. So the one is detailedpieces.com. The other one is growthfromdarkness.com. Or I'm far more active on Facebook than I probably should be. I'm very, very active there. So reach out to me on Facebook. I I love social media. I wish I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll be sure to have everything linked and we'll have all of that available for everybody. But Amanda, I want to thank you again for the inspiration. I, I'm I'm feeling repowered and recharged. And I can tell you, I have a fairly extensive network uh, within the state of Michigan where I work with lots of different families on stuff. Um, I've already been sort of sharing your story and I'm absolutely going to be sharing this story today from our conversation. Um, so thank you again, not only just for myself, but for everybody. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you. And I I appreciate all your hard work. And just as a side note, I was a foster kiddo for a little while. So thank you for making a difference in those kids' lives. They might not tell you now, they might not ever tell you, but Mm -hmm. I promise you they appreciate it and they will remember it. 